This morning, I want to continue in our look at Romans. We're still in the eighth chapter, and we're beginning at verse 26, where Paul writes, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn within a large family, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So this morning, I want to begin with a question. These are rhetorical questions, so there's no need to jump up and answer. But if you would just within your own heart and mind, think about these. And the question is, as you look into the remainder of 2020 and what a year it's been, if you look into the rest of this year, are you looking into an atmosphere of condemnation, of desperation, of resignation, of separation? Or are you looking forward to an atmosphere of expectation? See, that question should resonate with each of us because all of us are either on one side or the other. We're either a believer in a great big God who can do great and mighty things in our lives or. Well, we're not. We're either a believer in the hope for our future, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, or we're not. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area. 
See, I, I submit to you that the two camps in which you can abide are hope in Christ for the future or hopelessness. And so we have to define for ourselves what does hopelessness, hopelessness look like for us? For me, hopelessness is the absence of Christ. Hopelessness is the absence of Christ in your life. You know, there was a time in my life when I suffered from this thing called hopelessness. I, I used to write down my thoughts in, in journals about how hopeless things seemed to me. I, I wrote a poem. I found it. As I was looking through, I, I don't know, I think it was maybe the first Mikvah Scrolls book that I wrote. There's a poem in which one of the characters who just happens to be um, the character of Lucifer, Satan. And he's in his, his most hopeless condition. And why wouldn't he be, right? But this is, the, this is the poem, this is what he says, it's a lament. He says, darkest rain consumes the breath of countless souls condemned to death, of hopeless brooding falling skies, which dimly light the vanquished eyes of the lost, the judged, and the damned. Christ's mercy gone and with it rests, Beyond the chasm, wide in breath, so far from God's eternal light, absorbed by endless, lifeless night, put away, used up, wasted. But rest won't come and grace this night for those who long to embrace the light once more. If it would only be so kind as to quell this chaos of the mind that devours, deceives, destroys. That is hopelessness. That's, well, for some people out there, that's the rest of their 2020. They're so immersed in the hopelessness, they can't see the hope. Is that the year, the rest of the year that you're holding on to? Are you mired so deep in the burdens of, of your past, the burdens of your present circumstances? Are you embedded in the world's perspective so deeply that you can't see Christ's perspective. Because the world would tell you there is no hope. Is that where you find yourself when you watch the news and you surf social media? I mean, if that's the case for you, I, you know, let me tell you, you're not alone and I understand. Many in the church are feeling hopeless. The one place where hope is, is abundant. We have folks that come into the church, even via live stream, who feel hopelessness. And I understand where they are because I've been there. And I want to throw out something for your consideration. It's a bold premise. 
What if the stuff that we've experienced in our past and the stuff that enters our experience the rest of this year is all part of God's plan for our lives? I know that's hard to take, isn't it? Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that God causes bad things to happen in our lives because that's not the character of God. So don't hear that. But what if in this fallen, broken world in which we live, what if for God's glory and for our highest good, our best interest, all the trials and tribulations of our lives that we go through, that we've been through, that we're going through now, what if God allows those to happen and uses them to make us grow into the best possible people we could be? What if all the stuff is able to be used by a great and mighty God, a God of grace and mercy, a God who loves you? What if all that stuff is applied to sanctify you, to grow you into a more Christ-like person? It's not meant to harm you. It's meant to grow you. What if in His infinite wisdom and mercy, God equipped each of us with just what we needed to handle the obstacles and the circumstances in our lives and gave us the opportunity and the ability to grow into mature followers of Christ, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Here's a good place to insert a word of caution as you do some self-searching along this sanctifying journey that we're on. Be ever on your guard for unforgiveness. Because it can be a stumbling block to hope in our lives. Why is that? Well, because we like to hang on to unforgiveness like it's a security blanket. It's human nature. It comforts us. Unforgiveness comforts us in our anger. Scroll through social media and see somebody that says something you don't like and you're just like, mm, I feel so good that I can't stand that person. I feel so righteous and holy because I cannot stand what they have just said. It gives us our emptiness meaning. It focuses our attention on something other than dealing with the real issue. And what's the real issue? The real issue is that our hardness of heart, the shell that we build around our hearts that keeps the unforgiveness in and prevents the love of Christ from penetrating. That's the issue. We have heart problems. If we're not careful, we can enter into a relationship with unforgiveness that will supersede all other relate all other relationships in our lives. Unforgiveness and you will do everything together. You'll wake up together. You'll spend every hour of the day together. You'll take all of your meals together. It will be a serious monogamous relationship, you and unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a jealous partner, by the way. Unforgiveness is especially jealous of joy and hope, probably because unforgiveness knows that joy and hope are beautiful and fun to be with. And so unforgiveness will resent any type of joy and hope that enters your experience. Unforgiveness hates joy and hope. And so this passage that we read from Romans 8, it reminds us 
that despite and in spite of the things that we've endured in our lives, the things that we're going through, if we let, if we just let go of the past trespasses and the present struggles, if we will repent of all the sin and all the unforgiveness that we cling to so desperately like a security blanket, if we will but give those up and turn to Christ, who is the source of our hope and our joy, then we will never be separated from the God who loves us. And so Romans 8, for me, I have plugged so many things into those last verses over the years. It's one of the most personal verses, passages of Scripture, I think, in all of Scripture. So it might read something like this. For I am convinced that neither death nor riots nor looting, nor racism, nor demons, nor financial struggle, nor job loss, nor coronavirus, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will ever be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Whatever it is for you that you think has the power to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, your Lord, whatever that is for you, it simply doesn't have the power unless you give it the power. An element of unforgiveness buried deep within your soul will work to make you think that you have been separated from the love of God. And so though it may be painful self-surgery, you need to spend some time in reflection to remove whatever that is, that stumbling block, that cancerous element within your soul, unforgiveness. Release that to God and experience the unity with Christ that is yours to be had. Nothing will ever be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. Let us all raise our voices in praise to God with an